Awesome. Thank you. I was docking lambs with uh, yesterday morning with a friend of mine called Simon Brown, <clears throat> and I told him I was preaching. And he said, what are you preaching about, Dave? And he said, oh, how dealing with worry. I sort of didn't want to explain everything to him. He, his last piece of advice, he said to me, hey, Dave, don't worry. So that's what he said to me. So. Very wise man, very wise man. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to uh, just have you speak to me, through me. Um, Father, it's just um, an awesome thing. I just pray for everybody under the sound of my voice right now that their hearts would be open to you and, and not just tuned in today, but tuned in to you. Father, that each of us can take something away from this this morning that steps us closer to you, makes us more aware of your love, your purpose and calling for our lives in the name of Jesus. September is an interesting month, having um, five Sundays. So this is the fifth Sunday in the series of Warrior to Warrior. My wife has been trying to teach me. I said to her, "Just sound. they both sound the same to me. And she says it, and it sounds different. And I think, well, that's really, it's really weird. Um, so I just wanted to recap uh, the last four weeks. So Reuben led us off, and some of his main points were faith in Christ locks in identity. Society fires lies at us constantly. If we know who we are, the lies will not stick. Ian said this, Let us expand and magnify our vision of Christ so that he displaces worry. God brings people to walk with us so that we become warriors together. And then Paul said this, Do not let discouragement hold Get hold of you. Go again. Continue to trust God. Believe again. And then Ruth last week had an awesome message. Two of her points were this. It is in God's presence where we are turned from warriors to warriors. <laughs> thanks, thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. And then, then Ruth had this uh, 3D gospel thing, which I thought was really cool. And she said, God takes people who are distressed, in debt, disconnected, and gives them deliverance, direction, and destiny. That is very cool. I like that, that sort of that rhythm thing going with that. Uh, my title this morning is The Gift of Friendship. And when you, when you think about um, friends... Uh, interesting, interesting the friends you accumulate in a, in a lifetime, um, some that you really enjoy and some you don't. Uh, and and what, one of the things I've, and you, know, you might think that somebody you don't enjoy isn't a friend, um, but we'll, we'll work through that definition as we go. But I've had some people that are, are challenging friends, put it that way. And sometimes if you lean into that challenge and listen to what they say to you, um, you can learn a lot. Um, this same friend of mine that I was docking lambs for the other day, he, I had a discussion with him the other week um, about some issues um, relating to my life, and he said to me, Dave, shut up. Don't talk, just listen. And he gave me this sort of a semi-lecture about uh, you know, what he thought I should be doing. Um, and he was right, you know, just to listen to this guy. And I thought that's really cool, you know, shut up and listen. Um, and that is a concept that I think we need to apply more to our friendships and close relationships. Um, one of my most annoying relationships um, is um, with my lovely wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible sense. Um, 
Um, Glenna said to me um, recently, you know, we've been married, what, 34 years. And I said to her, you know, in 34 years, I've changed a lot. And she said, you needed to. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, seriously, you know, this is what I mean about um, some friendships are annoying because, you know, it's speaking, they're speaking the truth to you. And, and those are the best kind of friendships and relationships, I think, um, that people are not just, you know, kissing up um, and telling you what you want to hear, but they're, you know, being um, lovingly corrective. Can I use that term? Which is pretty cool. So, you know, honour you, sweetie, you've been awesome. And, and I am a different man to when I was married 34 years ago. Um, one, of the, one of the interesting challenges was that I, I'm sort of a meek guy, and don't be confused if you want, if you... What is it? Um, if you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. How's that? Say that real, say that real fast. Um, I don't know whether I could say it again, actually. But, the, uh, but Glennis used to say to me, um, you know, you need to be stronger. You need to be stronger. So, uh, you know, I would get stronger with her, and she'd say, what are you doing? And I said, I'm practicing on you. And she, she'd say, but I want you to be strong with everybody else but me. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's, it's just too much sometimes. It's just it's too much. Um, you know, friendships are precious. Friendships are precious things. And sometimes what I've found with churches, um, that you make a lot of new friends, but you've also got to take notice of your old friends. Sometimes, you know, older friends are really precious. You need to cherish that. A friend is someone who accepts you as you are for what you are, who you can share your heart with, who listens but we must listen too. We expect listen, people to listen to us. We've got to be listeners. Friendship is not something that you can demand out of people or expect, but it's something that we can give. Being a good friend will bring good friends. One friend said to me, Dave, we have seen the worst and the best of each other, and we're still friends. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> and that guy was a really annoying friend. <laughs> In the best possible way again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I've got... No, I won't say that. Um, a, a pure good friendship is a rare and precious thing and should be cherished. Healthy friendships should be mutually beneficial. Both parties should grow, mature, and be, be better people. Some friendships that are hard are the most beneficial. Now, here, here's the thing. What about friendship with God? What about friendship with God? How do we even know God would want to have a friendship with us? There's a little book in the, in the Old Testament. We talked about it at a life group the other week. And this, this guy, um, Hosea, and the little small prophet in the Old Testament, had an interesting life. God told him to marry a prostitute. Radical, radical. So that he could identify with how Israel was prostituting itself and disobeying God. And anyway, one of the things this guy said in chapter 6, verse 6, he said, I don't want your sacrifices. This is, he's talking from God. I want you to know me. I want you to know God. So that's a word of prophecy coming from the heart of God saying, I don't want your sacrifices, all the things that you think you're doing to make you like me, make me like you. But I want you to know me. I want you to know my heart. 
Religion burdens people down with laws trying to please God. Christianity, by definition, now listen to this, is the acceptance of the gift of friendship with God. You think about that in its purest form. Christianity is the acceptance of friendship, of the gift of friendship with God. What has the friendliness of God got to do with moving from a place of being a warrior to a warrior? You're going to giggle every time I say that. No, I'm not, I'm not stressing out. I'm not stressing out. Okay, let's, let's, yeah, no worries, yeah. Marcus, don't you start. We'll be sending people out soon, I can see that. And Paul's in Tanzania, just when I need, need him. Okay, um, track Ramsey, track. Uh, okay, here's, let's devo- define our terms. A warrior, as in the one on the right-hand side. <laughs> this is my definition for that. Someone who constantly entertains doubts and fears, never wanting to step outside their comfort zones. But a warrior, that's the one on the left-hand side. <laughs> Someone who chooses to look to follow in the footsteps of Christ, who chooses to step forward into the gifts and calling of God. Someone who constantly chooses to push back against doubt, fear and discouragement and to hold on to the promises of God. Friendship with God and the influence of the people he brings into our lives, the ones we like and the ones we don't, are the vehicles that move us from being in worry to being warriors. Warriors. God's friendliness that we see in Scripture is a a stunning thing to me. When you think about all the religious areas like... um, my friend uh, Mr. Matthews was talking about that religious legalism. When you think about that, that has been indoctrinated into our lives so that when we think about God, we think about him with a stock whip. We see him uh, raining down lightning bolts on anybody who's going to disobey them and incinerating them into a little piece of carbon on the ground. We see God, whether you like it or not, there are things planted in your mind that, see, see, that you see God that way. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when we see Jesus and his interaction with people in the New Testament, we're looking at God. So I think that's a fascinating thing. His willingness to be amongst and interact with ordinary people blows our religious thinking of God out the window. I just wanted to look at a couple of scriptures um, to bring this point out. The first one is uh, Luke chapter 7, and starting from um, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then he knelt, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees, when the Pharisee or the host saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, This proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, 
he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look, this woman kneeling here, when I entered your house, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she is, because she has shown much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The first thing that hit me from this verse, and it's a blinding revelation, so don't forget this, Jesus is not ticklish. That just, I've never seen that before, not on his feet anyway. I'd never, if, if some random woman was standing behind me crying on my feet and wiping them, I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't stand that at all, you know. But Jesus, no, and, and you know, in all seriousness, you know, so I probably shouldn't even brought that out. I just, I just thought that was pretty, pretty wacky thought. I have, uh, um, my wife and my children keep telling me you've got a ridiculous imagination. I just think of sometimes the people say things and I hear something different. And so I just say that and, and they find it. Maybe I'm the annoying friend. I could be. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Here's some, here's some key things that I saw in this. This lady placed all her hope on Christ. Okay. All her hope on Christ. She poured out her heart to Jesus. She did not care what anyone else thought, even though she was in the middle of a hostile, anti-her environment. Nobody had her back in that house but Jesus. She didn't, you know, she could have gone to see Jesus in the synagogue, but her heart was so much towards him and her, her need was so great, she was so hungry for what he had, that she went into the most hostile environment she could find and sought his, his love. And I think that is an amazing thing. And all those characteristics I've mentioned are characteristics of a warrior. Of a warrior. Regardless of who she was and the way she lived, Jesus saw her heart, saw her heart standing out. The other thing I saw was, from the point of view of the Pharisees, religion does not perceive the heart of God accurately. Religion never does. Faith does. Jesus was the friend of that lady, the friend. The next verse of scripture I want to have a look at is just over the page, and it's um, Luke chapter 8, 
And I'm going to start reading from verse 45. You know the story. Um, the leader of the synagogue came to Jesus and said, My daughter's dying. Um, come and pray for her. And he's walking along. One translation said that the group of people was so intense that it was almost suffocating Jesus. The people were crushed in against him. And there was so much anticipation. And um, in verse 45, it, it says this. Um, I'll go back a few verses. As Jesus went with, with, with the leader, he was surrounded by the crowds, and there was a woman in the crowd who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had spent everything she had on doctors and still could find no cure. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus told him, No, no, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power going out from me. When the woman realized that Jesus knew, she began to tremble and fell on her knees before him, and the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But from my understanding of the scriptures, that's one of two or three times when Jesus had to raise somebody from the dead because he was late. You know, so his priorities were, you know, a little bit different to us. You imagine an ambulance screaming off down the street, taking some terminally dying person um, to hospital, you know, they're not going to stop for some lady, you know, trying to flag them down, wanting a disparate or something. You know, it just sort of seems, it seemed like that to me. And yet Jesus' priorities were so much for this lady. One lady in a huge crowd amongst a whole lot of people touching him touched his heart with her faith. And he knew that. He knew that. And he, he didn't say, oh, yeah, good, you know, you're here, we'll, we'll truck on. One translation says that this woman told him her whole story. You know, <laughs> I had another thought there that I better not, better not go down there. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, that, 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 that's an amazing thing to me, his compassion and his friendliness towards this one lady in a huge crowd when he's going to a person who's going to die. And then you know the story, the, the servant come and says, no, you know, your daughter's died. And Jesus said, you know, believe, don't doubt, believe. It's significant to me that Jesus used the word daughter, used the word daughter in that scripture. And uh, that, that is, for me, that's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, and... and in order for us to move from being warriors to warriors, we must each personally hear God calling us his son or daughter. Now, Mr. Ian Bilby here, um, in his Mana series on sonship, he made these two statements, and this is really interesting. It is impossible, it's almost impossible for us to function to our fullest God-given potential and calling if we have doubts about our acceptance and relationship with God. Your understanding of being a son or a daughter and the access to personal time with God and your inheritance will determine your kingdom influence. Our faith should be the kind of burden that sails are to a yacht or wings are to a bird. Think about that. How do sails inhibit a yacht? They don't. They allow that boat to 
do its purpose, fulfill its purpose. Are wings a burden to a bird? I don't think so. It allows them to flow in their purpose. We must hear that voice. In Luke 3, when Jesus was baptized, what did it say? You saw a dove descend upon him, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, and I'm well pleased with you. Each of us personally need to hear that voice. We need to hear that voice within ourselves in order to move forward into what God has called us to do. Otherwise, we're going to be held back by those doubts. We're going to be held back by those doubts. This is why Jesus came, to restore that friendship relationship with God. One of the things I've been trying to put in practice, this last week I've been um, working on Glennis' mum's house. She's an elderly lady of 91 years old, and I'm putting in a, a wet floor bathroom and shower for her so it makes it easier for caregivers to do that. And um, I didn't really want to do this job uh, because of the, the issues involved, the old house. And so um, Glenna said to me, I think you should do it just to honour my mum and to honour me. And I thought, okay, cool. <laughs> so I, I said, nah, not going to do it. Not going to do it. And eventually I relented. And, you know, I was sort of thankful that I did. It was sort of pushing into something that I didn't want to do. Um, and I just prayed. And I said, Lord, help me with this. And I talked with the Lord through it as we went. Old house came up with water problems, all sorts of issues. Um, and I, each one I just prayed, Lord, help me with this. Give me wisdom. And it created in me a conversational friendship with God. And I think this is important. Um, Ruth said last week, that uh, it's the presence of God that transitions us, us from worry into being an effective warrior. And, and so I thought about that, and I thought we carry the presence of God with each other, individually and collectively, and we need to step into that more. We need to be talking to God about everything we do. We need to take him to work. We need to take him um, in our friendships and listen to God. And I've just been asking God um, simple questions, like when it came to doing grandma's house. I said, Lord, do you want me to do that? And this voice in my head said, yes. <clears throat> and you, know, might, you might think that's weird, but um, I thought that was, that, was, that was pretty cool. And so I followed that, and I followed that, and I've been blessed in doing it. A lot of hard work, but I've been blessed in doing it. And, and I just thought that simple obedience to say yes to God more and more. In closing, I just want to read you something that the Apostle Paul said. He said this in the Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Thinking about this whole issue, he said, Not that I have obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. But one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Pressing on together, that's the warrior spirit. Pushing back against selfishness and laziness, doubt and fear. That's the warrior spirit. Trusting God. Actively putting our trust in him. Father, I thank you for um, you being such a trusting God. I thank you that you have poured your love into us. And Father, I pray that 
you would help each of us to relate to you on a personal level. That, Father, we can come to you with our doubts and fears and see deliverance come and see destiny come as we just fellowship with you. Father, I thank you for the friends and the people that you have placed in our lives. Father, some friendships seem um, scary, but Father, we trust you with our lives. Father, we know that you have our back. I thank you for the story of that lady amongst all those Pharisees, Father, and you met her at her point of need as she poured out her heart to you. Father, I pray that every single heart here would be towards you in the name of Jesus, that every impediment, every prejudice, every fear and doubt would be extinguished by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus, that healing would be taking place, that uh, gift of restoration would be upon us as we move from isolation into being your friend in the name of Jesus. Father, that mindsets of religion and past experience with religious people would be broken off now in the name of Jesus. Father, I prophesy a stepping forward amongst us, stepping up to the mark that you've called us to. I prophesy that upon the people right now, calling, purpose, vision, election, into your purposes, kingdom purposes, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for placing a calling and purpose on each of us. And I just rebuke the powers of darkness that would try to sow lies into our ears that we would perceive, as Reuben said, that we'd be switched on to our identity, that your love and grace would overwhelmingly quench those doubts and fears in the name of Jesus. Father, I, I pray that the Word of God would come alive to each one in the name of Jesus. And with everybody has got their eyes closed, if anybody um, really wants um, prayer, just to help press into the Lord, just put up your hand. And uh, if you want to come up, up afterwards and we can pray for you and lay hands on you. If you've never taken that first step, as Roger said, of coming out of the gorse and Manuka and Blackberry into Christ, um, just put up your hand and we can pray. But I pray just pray the stirring of the Holy Spirit on each one that the Lord really does have a friendly attitude towards humanity. And the only thing that can stop that friendliness is our stubbornness, laziness, and ignorance. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Thank you.